Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. How do I know what God's will is for my life? That's the question that so many of us ask throughout different seasons of our lives. We certainly ask that as we are about to launch out into the world for the first time or when we're making a career choice or thinking about getting married. But we also find ourselves circling back to that question at different times, perhaps especially when things don't work out the way that we plan them in our minds. And so perhaps we ask God, did I miss your will for my life? So far this week, we've looked at a couple of general principles that help us to answer that question. First, from the Shorter Catechism. Secondly, from the book of Ecclesiastes. Today, we want to answer this question in a way perhaps surprising to some of our listeners. How do I know what the will of God is for my life? Here's the answer. Get plugged in and become a member in a solid Bible preaching local church. Uh, We are meant to find God's uh, will for our lives in the context of covenant community. How controversial is that, right? Um, so, brothers, help us uh, help us to see, first of all, um, how the individualistic spirit of our age has actually caused great confusion in this area of understanding the will of God for my life. I think at the end of the day, we have bought into a mindset that we're better off alone than we are within the, the constructs that God has provided. Um, and so with an individualistic spirit – um, we approach things and things say, well, what helps me? What brings meaning to my life? Um, what is this going to do for me? Which are all the wrong questions. If we go back to the framing that we began with, that what's your chief end? What's your chief purpose in life? And what's to glorify God? Well, already that pushes us outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Augustine would say that Sinful, our sinful nature is basically about being turned in on ourselves. And that is something that we will struggle with until we die, This that we keep turning it back to us and make it all about us. Well, what can help with that? Well, being in a, in a community um, makes us, helps us to, to begin to look at it and say, okay, I know my sinful tendency is to make this about me. But it's not about me. It's about God and God's people, which I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. I'm not it. Um, I, there's even sentences that I, I don't think are helpful in, in thinking through the Christian life. People will say, and, and I know what they're trying to say, if you were the only person alive, Christ would have died for you. That's a weird comment mm-hmm. because you're not the only person. You, and and you, God doesn't want you to be. Mm-hmm. You, you're you're framing the heart of God about you. No, 
that, that's a poor reflection on the heart of God. Yes, he loves you dearly. But and he, individually. Individually. But when you begin to frame his um, sacrificial work on the cross about you alone, oh boy. Um, you've just really, in essence, marred the, the, the name and heart of God yeah. to make it about you. Yeah. It's about God's glory of securing a people for himself, not a person. Yeah. So there's lots of ways that we make individualistic comments and thought processes that aren't helpful. Yeah, I remember at the conferences last year, we talked about, uh, well, there was a question that came up on our Q&A panel to um, Mark Jones about uh, the the Christian who basically says, I'm a, lone, I'm a lone ranger Christian, I don't need the church. And he said, I think the question was, well, what would Paul say to that person? And, and he basically said, Paul would have no category for that person to, to live a, a Christian life apart from the, the, the church. You don't find that anywhere in the New Testament. It's always speaking corporately. It's always, and, and as you were talking, um, the imagery in first Corinthians 12 is the imagery of a body. Mm-hmm. How, how, how insane would it be for a finger to say, I wonder what God's will is for my life individually as a finger apart from the body? I mean, it's a totally different way of thinking. That's not the way that we're supposed to think. I've been working through the book of Acts in our, in our congregation, and one of the, the key phrases or themes is this idea of fellowship together. Um, it's used over 10 times in the book to talk about the, the unity of the local church that they had one mind, one purpose, that as individual parts, they formed one unit. And that's really what 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about. And that mindset is, I mean, we want to try to create this this ideal of the first century church. Um, But if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you know they weren't really matching the ideal. They had individualism there too. Um, and Paul was addressing all of these really problems that were resulting from um, sinful individualism. Yeah. And by chapter 12, he's kind of made a case throughout, like, no, you don't get it. You're yeah. part of a body. Yeah, absolutely. And quit trying to function like you're you're not part of a body. That's right. So um, so we're asking the question on the, on the broadcast this week, you know, how – do I know what God's will is for my life? And now we're talking about that question in the context of local church. So brothers, what are some passages in scripture uh, that state God's will for our life in terms of being connected to the church? Well, I think that uh, you know all you have to do is take a, a good look at all the one another passages mm. in scripture. I mean, the, you know, there's... The encouragements were to offer one another, the admonitions were to offer one another, the support were to offer one another, the care that we're supposed to offer to one another, all and the greeting we give to one another. We're, we're designed for community. You know, we're, you know that, that community of relationships has been chosen for us by God himself. It's not, uh, you know, we don't, we don't go out and pick that community. God brings us into his body as a church, um, you know, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ, and that one in Christ is the is that important 
aspect of understanding our relationship to one another. Therefore, in the church, I mean, actually, you know, uh, you know, God's a God's kind of the bookkeeper. He numbers people. Mm-hmm. He he uh, he appoints um, you know uh, elders over a group of people. He has a governance and and that all those things relate to how we're to be involved in the body of Christ. I'm so glad you brought up the one another commands because I mean. We started this. We started this broadcast today by saying, "How do I know the will of God for my life?" Here's one answer: get plugged in and become a member in a solid Bible preaching local church. You can't obey those one another commands if you're not plugged into a local church. Right. If you're not committed to a local church, so I mean, how many one one another commands are there? There's like fifty or something, right? So that's fifty commands that you cannot obey if you don't belong to a, a local church. And and you want God's will for your life, but you're going to ignore the other fifty. That's crazy. J.I. Packer writes, it needs to be frankly acknowledged that the church in the West has been slow to appreciate the strength that comes from drawing on each other's wisdom and insight within the local congregation for personal direction on on major decisions. And I think he's just reflecting the thought of of Hebrews 10, um, where the the author is is saying, let us, let us, I mean, there are all these plural pronouns that he's using. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So he's saying we, we want to be true to what we confess. Let us hold fast. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Well, how do you do that? He goes on to say, and let us um, not neglecting to meet together. Continue to meet together. Why? Because you help one another. You help Mm -hmm. one another press on in the faith. You help Mm -hmm. one another to do um, love and good works. We need one another. I mean, the idea, it's just foolishness to think that we're okay on our own. Mm -hmm. I I think really what it boils down to is we don't understand the the threat of our own sinful hearts. And so what we, we think is we're okay on our own. And I think what the overwhelming message of, of Scripture, especially in the New Testament, is, no, you're not okay. You need one another. Yeah. And you need one another because you need one another to continue bring you back to God and His Word. Um, and and you're really forfeiting this huge um, gift. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how many times people have just spoken to me personally and helped call out some of those things in my life that I was totally blind to. That helped me discern the will of God for my life in that moment, mm-hmm. and I would be totally cut apart from, or uh, separate from that if it wasn't for the local church. Okay, so real quick question: Can you live? So let's try to get real provocative here. Can you live a fulfilled life apart from the covenant community from the church? For sure, you can't live an obedient life, and I think what you you do have to to say is. If you live apart from the covenant community, you are robbing God's church of the blessings that you have received that were to be used in the context of a Christian fellowship of a church. Um, And so therefore, you can't have a fulfilled life because at that point, you're living in disobedience. 
Yeah, the, uh, the only way that it would work is if you were placed in solitary confinement yeah. in some kind of tower. You know, you have God, you have uh, you have a relationship, you have community there. But and uh, truly, what you, you're saying here, we can't really live out uh, God's commands or even His desires for our life um, by being an individualist, an onlyist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, we, we've covered this a little bit, but maybe maybe you personalize it. How has the church uh, helped you discover the will of God for your life? Every minister ought to be able to an- answer this. One, we feel we feel an inward call on our life uh, to go into service for Him. We we feel the you know we have that desire to do those things, but it's confirmed by the church. You know so. Um, you know, primarily, I mean, I can point to that one as being the most important thing. Uh, you know, I've s- st- stood before bodies of men who recognize the gifts that I have, who confirm that I've been, you know, ordained or called, and this is this is my vocation to serve the church in in ministry, and that's a reassuring thing. You know, because you know, frankly, you know, through your life in ministry, you're gonna you you run into your own doubts, yeah, and uh, you know what. What you do, you find support from that community. We're enjoying uh, something around this table that didn't exist for us a few years ago. We might have had it on an individual basis, but we get together with four ministers, and we enjoy that that fellowship and that community that challenges us, causes us to think. Um, you know, I, there's like not today, a day, there's not a day that we come in that you know somebody mentions a book and we go, oh, I need that book too. <laughs> and even like not having Phil here today, you we feel his his absence yeah. because there's something that Phil brings to our group that the rest of us don't right. bring, mm-hmm. and so um, and that's I, that's true here in a micro level, but it's 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 even more true in the church. Yeah. You you bring something to the body, and this whole idea how does it help you discover God's will? Um, just talking from the other side of the table now, I agree with what Jonathan said, that that was part of what confirmed my my going into ministry. But I have people come into my office and say, hey, I've got these job opportunities. And mm-hmm. we just talk through them. I don't mm-hmm. give them an answer, mm-hmm. but I listen, I provide questions, I push back on, on different things. And so what I'm trying to help them with is wisdom, taking principles of God's word and then mm-hmm. approaching these specific decisions and saying, okay, now where are you at? And you do that together. That's right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We're talking this week about how to understand or discern God's will for your life. If you missed any of the shows, just subscribe to our podcast. Just make sure you type in the Gospel for Life, and we'll continue this discussion next time. 